I'm Ophira Eisberg from Ask Me Another. Every week we play nerdy games with contestants and celebrities. Hear Patrick Stewart dramatically read Taylor Swift lyrics or learn how many quills there are on a porcupine. Find Ask Me Another on the NPR One app or wherever you get podcasts. Hey y'all, Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. For today's deep dive, we're talking with someone at the top of his game from the world of television, Prentice Penny, showrunner for HBO's Insecure. Insecure is this comedy series that just wrapped its second season this summer. Its star and co-creator is Issa Rae. May have heard of her. She plays a 29-year-old woman in the show whose life is just kind of stalled. And she's trying to figure out dating and relationships and identity and race and work stuff and just being kind of awkward. If you're not watching this show, trust me, you should be. But there's no need to watch the show to enjoy this conversation. Prentice and I cover TV, the Emmys, diversity in Hollywood, what a showrunner actually does, how Prentice became a showrunner, and why five years ago no one was talking about showrunners at all. All of that's in the conversation. Also, a bit of background, Prentice has been in the industry for a while. Before Insecure, he was a writer for TV and a producer on the Fox sitcom Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He wrote for literally my favorite sitcom of all time, Happy Endings on ABC. And he worked on a really classic show called Girlfriends, this UPN sitcom from the early 2000s. Hugely underrated. Also, like Insecure, that show is about strong black women trying to figure things out. Anyway, we go there, talk about all of that. And we also have a small fight about Drake. I know. All right, here's me talking to Prentice Penny. I was here in D.C. He was in L.A. We taped this just a couple of days after the Emmy Awards. All right, enjoy. I've seen enough of you on the Internet you dress snazzy, you got a fresh taper, you keep it together every day. That's work. How do you commit to that? Because I can't. Um, you know, it's so weird. Like, I've always been like that. So it's almost like right now I'm so bummy today. Well, but okay, like, but like what's bummy for you? Like what? No, like, this is pretty Well, I'm going to the gym right afterwards. So I'm actually like in like sweat and like something I would like if, if you were here in person, I would not dress this way, even if I was going to the gym. But they're probably so like still, designer sweats, though, right? Don't no, lie. they're they're the most basic champion, <laughs> <laughs> no name brand, Ross dress for less sweats. Okay. Speaking of how you looked, were you wearing a tuxedo on Sunday at the Emmys? Were you there? No, I wasn't. Well, we weren't nominated, so I wasn't actually at the event. Although I know Issa was. Issa was there, there yeah, looking sharp. Um, and uh, I got obviously I got invited to a party or two, but you know it was it's weird because you know the Emmys are over at eight. Um, or at least eight o'clock yeah, know, yeah. West Coast time, and you know I got kids. I got three kids, <laughs> and we got school the next day, and we I weren't nominated. And I was like, the thought of like, and I've done, I've gone to a few parties like that, and the thought of like getting dressed up at like eight o'clock to go to a party to drink to know that I got to wake up at six o'clock to get my kids up for school was just like yeah. not. And I I've been you. super busy with the show, so I, you know, I'm trying to spend as much family time as possible uh, before I go back to work. So, not just stay at the house. I had a couple of drinks at the house and watched it. So three kids, how old are they? Three. My oldest is uh, a couple of months away from being 10. And then my twins, who are boy girl, uh, are seven. That's a lot of kids. It's a lot of kids. <laughs> <laughs> so you watch them. He's two, uh, at least two folks that you know well had uh, some fun moments. I yes. enjoyed watching Lena Waithe win. You know, I interviewed so her on this show Lena. a while back. And she's oh, really? the sweetest. Yeah. 
we talked, gosh, about an hour and a half, and I was like, I don't want you to leave. I love you so much. Nah, she's the best. Yeah. I, I love Lena. Well, and then someone who you work closely with right now, Issa Rae, had a moment on the red carpet uh, yes. <laughs> that, that started some chatter for, for those listening that haven't heard uh, when asked on the red carpet who she was supporting to win awards that night at the Emmys. Issa replied, what'd she say? All the black ones? All the black people. All the black people. <laughs> How'd you feel about that? I loved it. I mean, right. like, like, I mean, one, it's like, you know, she's a comedy person. So yeah. like, it's a part, part of it's a joke. Yeah. And then like, part of it's also real. It's like, we don't really always get moments to be nominated. And so like, it's, it's no different than by people who are pulling for Obama or when I remember when I was a kid watching the Super Bowl and Doug Williams was in the Super Bowl. You're like, you want the, the black quarterback to win. You want to feel like, yes, we can compete on the same playing field across all um, areas yeah. as our as our contemporaries. And so, yeah, like you do. Of course you do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 interesting. You know, like Sunday night was a night of validation for a lot of people of color. You know, Donald Glover winning twice, Riz Ahmed winning, Sterling K. Brown winning. I mean, such support for your show insecure like this seems like a very specific moment specifically for tv made for and by people of color what made everything happen kind of at the same time it feels like i mean i don't know you know i mean obviously you know we're not involved with what atlanta's doing and um you know but i definitely feel like that the absence of it for so long was like hey where where are we I feel like while I was like working on to on mainstream shows where I was the only person of color in the mm-hmm. room or the only person certainly the only African American person in the room like Issa was incubating and seeing that and being like like let me I want to do something that represents me like when I left girlfriends and also sidebar snaps for girlfriends there Love we go. That show That's too. What's up. <laughs> That's what's up. But yeah, like when I left Girlfriends after that was uh, 07 during the writer strike, I didn't work with another person of color until I mean another another black person until Insecure in 2015. So you're talking like wow. I worked on every other show I worked on, and I'm very happy to have those opportunities. But I was the only African American person in the writers' room, and. And and a lot of the shows were being canceled at the same time. So you're talking eight years or seven, seven, eight years of not seeing anybody who looks like you on network television unless they are like in an ensemble drama on yeah. CBS or, some or whatever. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. So I just think like people were after a while, it's like it took like those eight years and seven, eight years for people to be like, hey, I want to see myself, you know? Yeah. Well, and you know what I found really interesting when I talked with Lena it was almost as if there was this like underground railroad of black folks in the industry like mm-hmm. helping each other get that next gig, get that chance, get that shot. And she talked about this litany almost of black women that gave her shots and chances mm-hmm. that other folks wouldn't. And I was reading about the way you got with Insecure. You basically made your train on that railroad yourself. Like you wrote Issa Rae out of the blue and were like, you need me on your show. Talk about that. How'd that happen? Uh, yeah, I didn't say you need me. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? But you did like right uh, out of the blue and were like, hey, what's up? Yeah, what happened was I was on Brooklyn. <laughs> what happened I, was? I, yeah, it's a little bit. I, I don't want to do that narrative like, you need me, girl. Uh, <laughs> this is what you need. Uh, yes, what you need in your I'm life. Emoji. Get me in your life. Uh, but no, like, I, I, uh, I was on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Also great show. You're always around great shows. I'm just very uh, thankful <laughs> that smart people have given me opportunities yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, I saw that 
the show got picked up to uh, to a pilot. Mm-hmm. And um, that Insecure got picked up. This was like February of January, maybe ish, February of 2015, and that they needed a showrunner because Larry Wilmore, who had uh, who was obviously going to be the showrunner with her, uh-huh. got his his nightly show on Comedy Central, oh, yeah, so he yeah, couldn't yeah. do both duties. Mm-hmm. And they needed a, they were going to be they were like, oh, the sh- showrunner search is about to begin, and so I was like. Okay, so I emailed my agent. Was like, "Yo, get me an interview to run this show." Okay, and had you run just, a show before? I had run a show, my own show, on this network called Fuse around 2012, called The Hustle. Okay, uh, which weirdly, uh, the two leads of that show were Alain Noel, who ends up playing Daniel uh-huh. um, on our show, and yeah. this guy named London Brown, who is also uh, Reggie on Ballers. So huh. it's so weird that we're all now on HBO. Yeah, yeah. And we had done this little, so it was on Fuse, and it was like a hip hop entourage. It was like a six episode show, and okay. it was Fuse was trying to get into scripted, and yeah, but it was the time I got to hire my own writing staff and run a show yeah, and yeah, yeah. do all that stuff. So I had done that, and then so I e- emailed my agent, was like, "Hey, give me a meeting," and it was a blessing that one of the agents at CAA, who's now William Morris, named um, Ashley Holland was like, I went to college with Issa. Uh, I know Issa very well. And why don't you write her a letter? Because I didn't know Issa. Why don't you write her a letter about like why you think you guys would be a good fit? Did you write it or type it? Why you need me? Did you write Uh, uh, I mean, I I wrote it free. I mean, I typed it eventually, but I I wrote it uh, as a freehand thing. So I basically, what I basically said to her was, you know, look, like you don't know me. Here's who I am. Here's what I've done. You know, here's my background. And I'd like to be your showrunner. Here's what I love about your script, and I just talked about how mm. what what was relatable to me in the script, what's why it was important, why it's relevant. I talked about what I could bring to it. I thought I talked about um, that, and either way, even if she didn't go with me or not, I was just happy to help her in any way possible. Um, yeah. And uh, I wrote her that letter, and, and then she wasn't weirded out. She wasn't weirded out. <laughs> she was like, "Let's meet," and so she was like, "I have a book signing." At Essawan Books in mm-hmm. Lemur Park, mm-hmm. so she and I talked for like fifteen minutes afterwards. And, yeah, and she uh, was cool, and you were cool, and, and she was cool, and I was cool, and we, re- you know, we realized, hey, we we both grew up in 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 Windsor Hills and View Park, in we L.A. In, in L.A. Um, and really now we both live in Inglewood, a block over from each other. So that's Iwood. weird. Uh, we live in Iwood, and <laughs> then, um, but yeah, we just we just hit it off, and then after. Uh, about 15 minutes, she was like, yeah, let's do this. Wow. And, uh, so right and, there on uh, the spot at her book signing, she's like, yeah, right there on the spot. The and then, I mean, obviously I still had to be cleared through HBO and, and, and three arts, our other production entity and her managers. But I, on her side, I was like, good. And so that's really how it happened. And that's so um, cool. Yeah. That takes some bravery. I mean, I feel like I've never in my life cold written a letter to somebody being like, hashtag you need me. Were you scared to do that? I mean, it's so funny. Like, the only other time I've written a letter, weirdly, was I wrote Larry Wilmore a letter. Like, he was speaking. This was, like, so many. I mean, I think I was in college or maybe just graduated from college, and I heard him speaking like the writers again. I wrote Mm -hmm. this letter basically like, hey, I'll intern for you or, you know, whatever. You know, I just, I'm a young writer, blah, blah, And, you know, of course, I never heard from him because, like, you get a bunch of letters. You know, it's like, who's this guy? I don't know this guy, but anybody else. But um, that was the only other time, weirdly, I had written a letter. And so at this point, I was just like, and it was also a lesson, too, in, like, when you want something, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it reminds me of when I I was watching The Defiant Ones and Jimmy Iovine was talking about, like, when you're trying to be or do something that you think is great Mm -hmm. and, like, it's not about your ego at that point. It's not about, like, anything else except being, like, if you want to be a part of it, figure out how to be a part of it and help Mm -hmm. make it great, help make it better. And so, you know, 
if I wanted to, I guess I could have been on like some ego, like I've written all this stuff, da 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 da. Yeah, like, yeah. but it, that never even entered my mind to even approach it like that or think like that. I was just like, yo, this is dope. Yeah. Um, I think I want to be a part of something that's dope. I never get to work with people of color. Yeah. You know, you just have to, you know, just say, hey, how can I fit in there? Yeah. As opposed to yeah. thinking about your ego yeah. and all that other type of stuff. So now you're show running. And you're doing so at a time when show running is kind of like a big deal. I feel like five years ago, no one was talking about showrunners or you didn't know a showrunner's right, name. Right, right. Now you guys are part of the celebrity of these shows. One, why is that the case? And two, what exactly does a showrunner do? Um, that's a, Those are good questions. I think in terms of why it's the case, I think, I think television taking on an air of freshness that movies used to have mm-hmm. like when you think about movies now it's like it's the same mo- marvel remake it's like a lot of it's a lot of temple right because that's where they're trying to make a lot of their big money on right so it's the next iron man the next whatever the things are batman whatever or you have these really small movies like la la land or moonlight that are kind of like these little things that kind of mm-hmm. are being made very small the, like the middle of the road like movies like when in the 80s when i was growing up like the vacations or the john hughes types of mm-hmm. teen movies or they don't really kind of make those movies that much anymore because it's a weird price point to make them in and um, they have to make a certain amount. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just a yeah. weird thing. They, they they're banking on may spending no money or spending or a, spending lot, of a money. lot of money. Yeah, but this mid level like forty to fifty million dollar movie. They don't do just it. Like they just don't do it anymore. Whereas so, with like TV and streaming, especially, it feels like with the advent of streaming, there's just more space for creativity. You can have a season be eight, ten, thirteen episodes, all that. Absolutely. And I think streaming made it like one. You can take more chances, right? Exactly. So it's, it's edgy. You and have other cinematic. voices coming to. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very cinematic, right? And now there's not this taboo of like oh if you're a movie star you do TV you're yeah. like taking a step back now, now you it's got like, Nicole it's cool. Kidman getting yeah Emmys you got Nicole Kidman True Detective you got Matthew McConaughey Woody Harrelson I mean you just have a ton of people who are like wanting to do TV and so I think in the in the in the wake of that people go well who created that yeah who created yeah. this? so that's cool so in the way that people know directors for movies right people mm-hmm. now know writers for creating worlds right Game of Thrones um, you know again Stranger Things whatever those shows are and then also in the advent of, of tweeting and tweeting as shows are happening and and you can talk to the show's creators and like all of that has put the creators I think specifically also in television front and center totally. in a way that like movie directors are in a way that movies I think also still feels inaccessible to people like mm-hmm. I don't know if Martin Scorsese is on Twitter Twitter, but I would probably <laughs> I guess he's not. No. And if he is, he's not tweeting with you. you know yeah, what I mean? whereas so I you're think, there with right. people watching your show. Yes. All right. So tell me exactly, because I feel like the more I read about showrunners, the more I'm like, oh, my God, they do everything. Are they in charge of craft services, too? Like, what all <laughs> did you do? Uh, so basically the showrunner's job, so, like, in terms with Issa and I, like, we do things, like, really, like, 50-50 on everything uh, from – uh, us figuring out sort of what the season's going to look like, kind of coming up with themes and ideas, uh, to hiring all of our writers, to sitting with the writers and sort of shaping out and sort sort of molding the clay on the arcs of the season, breaking all the stories with the writers, all supervising all the writing, supervising all the rewrites, casting every single actor in the show, hiring every single director, hiring um, our producers who are going to handle our crew, hiring our directors of photography who are going to shoot the film, dealing with the network and addressing notes, figuring out how we're going to address rewrites. Um, it's too much. Being on set, being there with the editor,
actors, cutting the film, uh, cutting the show, putting together music. Ugh, um, it's a lot. Yes, you know, talking to marketing uh, once it's done. I mean, literally from the moment the first thought of a season is conceived You're in to it. when you finally see the end of the season, that's what a showrunner's responsible for. How long? So, how long is your average day? Um, you know, we don't actually have bad days. I'm a, not a believer in long days. So we Snap usually start a day <laughs> around 10. Okay. We're usually done like 5.36. Like what? I just, yeah, like you can stay and work until 10 and 11. I hear about those shows and I've mm-hmm. been on those shows. Mm-hmm. And it's like at a certain point, what you're doing at 11 o'clock, because people just check out. Yeah. And sometimes you're just, then you feel like you came up with the fix at like two o'clock in the morning. But really you're just like, everybody's on this like second win and like you don't know if it's going to be any good. You get back there mm-hmm. the next day and you go, what the hell is this? This is crazy. Crazy, and you got to start over anyway. Exactly. Um, and so the other thing is, like, our show is about people who our show specifically um, is about people who are dating and who are living life. And so it doesn't behoove us to have. Mm. And a lot of the writers go out have stories, From and they bring dates. those stories back, and they live their life, yes. right? And they bring those stories back, right? But if you're in the writers' room all day, it's very easy. I've seen very. I've seen bad examples where writers' rooms can kind of become echo chambers mm-hmm. of other writers' stories, mm-hmm. and you're you're more so talking about what you think is happening in life versus like what actually is happening. They need lives. They need lives, and yeah. so um, that's just it. a very important part of the show. Okay, so like you're working on the show Insecure. You were on Girlfriends. Uh, how did you get so good about putting yourself in the headspace of strong black women? <laughs> uh, I was I mean I was raised by some strong black there's women there's that uh, um, uh, my mom my grandmother I mean my grandmothers uh, you know I'm around one every day with my wife um, <laughs> but uh, yeah like you know I, I don't know I feel like you know it's weird like there obviously there's some parts of being a woman I'll never be able to tap into just because I'm not a woman yeah. but I mean I think there's a human part um, I mean, my friends always say I'm a I'm a Drake type dude. I'd be in my feelings a lot, so maybe that's why I can write it good. You don't um, like Drake, do you? Uh, yeah, like what's wrong with Drake? He a little too emo for me. Everybody want to hit on Drake, but let a Drake. So <laughs> let's start it from the bottom drop right now, and we I mean, both would, be in the studio. I, of course, he you makes would. bops. Hey, back to back drops right now. It's banging. <laughs> I mean, I said we can all we can say what we want, but it's what it is. Right? I'll tell you one thing: the only good Drake albums are his mixtapes. No, take care is a good album, and and uh, the one started the, the, the started from the bottom. So album far is gone is worst good. behavior. Worst behavior is not good. Pound cake, with Jack. Stop it! Don't don't let me start playing this album. He's like, <laughs> we can just cut this short. We can just cut this short and make the podcast about Drake. Don't everybody want to hate? But everybody bumps Drake. Every now and then I'll bump some Drake. I went to a Drake concert. Drake's concerts are insane. Not better than Nobody, Kanye concerts. Huh? Not better than Kanye concerts. I mean, I haven't been to a Kanye. You haven't been to a Kanye show? Nah, I ain't been to a Kanye show. I went to his tour just after graduation dropped, and it was like I literally recommitted my life to Christ on the floor (laughs) of that stadium. (laughs) No, I hear it's religious. I hear it's mad spiritual. Yes, yes. I just can't. I don't know if I could be on the long, like the 45-minute rants about commercialism. I was seeing him before he was doing that, before he went off that deep end. Anyway, how do we get here? Kanye, Drake... They're both of them. Uh, oh, we were talking about black. We were talking about how I can write black women. Yes. Uh, um, and Drake thinks but, he can too, but he can't. Drake, he's hey, don't tell Issa Rae that you you catch them okay. hands. I know. What was the line she had in Insecure? She was like, I just feel like he gets me. He fucking gets it. And we had a Drake. We had a Drake lot lyric uh, all season one. Last season was Frank Ocean. Uh, we'll figure out who we'll do this year. But. Uh, <laughs> 
but uh, but yeah, I mean, I think like just I, I think the one thing that uh, I'm, I'm not sure, except I say that like the things that I like to write are about uh, being emotionally truthful. Yeah. So I think women are more truthful about a lot of things than men can be. Mm. So I'll snap um, to that. Uh, <laughs> so uh, so I think maybe that's why. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I just tapped into it. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> All right, time for a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about how Insecure is part of this larger moment in the culture right now. I'll also put some questions to Prentice from Twitter. BRB. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Canary, which believes protecting your home should be simple. That's why Canary designed an HD security system that sets up in seconds and connects right to your phone. Watch live and recorded video, monitor your home's air quality, or in an emergency, sound the 90 decibel siren, all from within the app. There are no false alarms or long contracts. Go to meetcanary.com and save $20 on Canary cameras with code SAM. Support also comes from Discover Card, who alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. Discover believes there are some things that you just need to know. It's just another way Discover looks out for you, not just your account. And best of all, social security alerts are free for Discover Card members. All you have to do is sign up online. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Thank you so much for listening to this show. Before we get back to it, there are a lot of shows about the week's news, but there's only one that treats the news the way it deserves to be treated. Roughly, rudely, and with lots of tasteless comments. That would be Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR quiz show whose motto is, our points don't matter because nothing does. Listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, like, you are heading this show that feels like it occupies a very unique space in the landscape of prestige television right now. Like, it symbolizes so much. Like, how do you think Insecure fits into the current state of TV right now? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think, like, you know, obviously we you can't predict like who's going to become president and all this type of thing. But but I do think the time we're in, in terms of look, we're in like you know, I mean, we're in a crazy time, right? So like insecure, obviously we have a lot of things that deal with race, right? Yeah. And sociocultural issues, and so I think in the world we're talking about where race is constantly at some point in the day be, being discussed, whether it's by the administration, whether it's by our citizens, whether it's internationally race right now in this country is unavoidable and I think you know we try to either A address that B poke fun at it or C make you look at it from a different perspective than maybe you thought um, and I think also too like I think right now we're in a thing where like people want to categorize or demonize um, people of color right whether mm. it's it's black men with the police department mm. and people be like I'm so afraid I just saw a thing the other day with this this security guard shot himself accidentally and blamed it on a black man I and saw shot him. that it's wild, right? It's and so, like, yeah. like, we're human beings. I think Insecure does something where we show black people specifically... Being human. Uh, being human and being flawed and being imperfect and loving and yes. being... And, and just being fully dimensionalized as human beings. Exactly. And 
Um, I think that's where our show hits a spot right now in the cultural landscape. You know, I, it was so funny. I had a friend of mine who a writer I worked with on another show and he, a YY guy, and he, he tweeted at me, he DM me and said, um, hey man, I just started watching um, Insecure. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, I just have to say like the show is amazing. And I asked, I said, hey, can I ever share your tweet? And I, he goes, yeah. So he goes, uh, I'm playing catch up. I'm reading the, the DM. Uh, it's so good. It's also making me think a lot of, and he's a white guy, yeah. a lot about perspective and race mm. and how you guys are showing me stuff I didn't know I knew about, even mm. though I considered myself woke. Huh. I now understand your experience of being the only person of color in a writer's room full of white guys. And then I go, well, what made you say that? I said, yeah. thank you, obviously, for yeah. saying that. I said, it's a weird thing. And he goes, I said, well, what, what has it made you think? And he responded, he said, it's made me think about how to approach representation in my own writing. Mm. He's like, there's a fine line, it seems, between writing diverse characters and cultural appropriation. And mm. I was just like, can I share that? And I yeah. said, that's such a, like, I think our show is like highlighting that, right? That yeah. like, we're letting you in on a window that black people experience that you may on its surface, you may think, oh, I know about this. And then, but we're kind of letting you in the window of like, oh no, maybe do I do that? Exactly. You know? and, and it's not from like a, an accusatory standpoint, just from like a, wow, I didn't know that's what it looks like know. from you guys' exactly. perspective. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I also love the way that you deal with race on the show. You admit that black characters like Molly and Issa can also sometimes get it wrong on race. Oh, for uh, sure. Like there's this plot line where Issa, with the principal of the school that she works in, they're kind of doing bad by brown students, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, honestly, it's refreshing to see that and have you guys say, black folks don't know it all either. Like no. when she's meeting the guy for the date who's a Latino, <laughs> I'm just right. like, girl. <laughs> what are you doing? Or like even when her and Molly have that dinner, uh, like uh, this Arabic dinner, and like they're dressing up like they're Arabic. I was like, this feels weird. <laughs> but you guys went there, and I'm just like, it was refreshing to see that even people that look like me, that some people expect to be perma woke all the time, no, can get not it at wrong. All. Can, can totally get it wrong. And I think it speaks to just a human thing, which is like you're sympathetic to the perspective in which you see things right mm-hmm. and if you don't see it from that perspective then you like or you don't have that experience it's it's you're, you're you find it hard to tap into it and i think you know we often criticize white people for not doing that but i was like we're just as guilty like we're saying is like we're fully dimensionalized yes. like we're not we're yes. not always like one of the things that really frustrates me sometimes is when i see s- some movies or some things that pr- present us uh, as, as magical, very, as, magical as, as magical and, and very Martin Luther King yeah. all the time. But we're not always like these people who can rise above a situation. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like it's like we're flawed and imperfect in all these things too. Yeah. I mean, like Dr. King had a few classes where he almost failed. Uh, he stepped out on his wife sometimes. Yeah. Like we should be he able to say that. He wasn't a perfect human being, right? He was But I think there's this thing that like everybody always has to be, you know, doing something for the movement or we're always mm-hmm. these sort of like you always assume the black person you know the like the one black guy you know can dance or you always assume that uh-huh. the like your black friend like you if you're white you might think like like your black friend has the best advice yeah. you might <laughs> assume like, that your black friend likes drake <laughs> right whoa 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 <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding i'm gonna let it go now <laughs> what's your favorite drake song ooh i mean i love started from the bottom just cuz it's just like yeah 
but I also love like Marvin's Room is so dope. Okay. Um, I love How About Now. How About Now is my joint when I'm on yeah. like some petty stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, and this was from the first mixtape, the one with with Lil Wayne. Um, I'm going in. Oh, uh huh. Yeah, that's I'm a going pretty in, good song. Too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See you coming around. <laughs> <laughs> when did you know that you wanted to do this type of work, show business, TV? Um, I was always interested. I grew up an only child. Um, and I grew up at a time when, like, I had, like, not grandparents. Like, grandparents now are cool. They travel. Grandparents are on Facebook and Twitter. Like, I grew up with, like, 80s grandparents who were, like, who had a floor model TV, uh, who watched the news for four hours straight, didn't play outside with you. It was, like, go play and just come back before the street lights come on. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so yeah. I was the only child, so I had to entertain myself. Okay. And so, I, you know, when I was done doing my homework or whatever i would just watch a lot of tv i didn't want to watch what they watched yeah. so there was like a little black and white tv sometimes in my grandparents house or um and wherever i'd watch and so what'd you watch I just i would watch i mean everything of that day like different strokes the jeffersons growing pains family ties okay um it's your move with jason bateman shout out to that show people don't sleep on that show valerie's family uh-huh. um you know all, all those all family again all the classic 80s shows yeah. um love bow fantasy island dukes of hazard you watch a lot um, of tv yeah, it was, I was live TV. So then I would just write my own stories. I'd write my own versions of those stories or whatever. Of the shows that you watched? No, just of like whatever. But I understood like, oh, a character has to speak. So huh. I I mean, I didn't know what, how, what a script looked like. I yeah. was just writing like it in like a, more like probably like how plays are written. Yeah. Sometimes with just like in, in that kind of a style, so I guess. So you were writing your own TV shows as a kid. Yeah, as a how kid. How old were you like, when you were doing this? Oof, maybe like eight or nine, wow. maybe ten. You were ahead of your and, time. When I was eight or nine, I was not writing my own scripts. Well, I, I like to write. Okay. You know, like my parents used to make me like cut out the newspaper and do like current events like once or twice a week and oh, like wow. do the who, what, where, when, why, and how yeah. of an article. You know, so like writing to me and my mom's an attorney, so she was a writer. Mm-hmm. I mean, like she writes a lot, obviously, and, and my and two of my grandparents were teachers. So oh. like writing. Um, and all that was very, was in uh, yeah, in, in my house growing up a lot, like some, like seeing writing as a thing. So your grandparents were in the house with your mom too? No, no, no. But, but like when my mom, um, when my parents split, my mother decided to go to law school. Oh. And so when my mother was going to law school at night, they would I would be you. at my grandparents. Gotcha. And so they would watch me on certain evenings. Wow. And so, um, but yeah, but I was also really interested in marine biology um, I love okay. I love the water. It was it's a weird thing. And then um, I I remember when I got to high school, our school was kind of by the water, so we had like a marine biology like elective. And so huh. I remember I took that and I was like, this is really dope. And then I remember I started to have to make a choice about where I was going to go to school because I was either looking I was looking at USC and NYU obviously okay. if I wanted to do writing, and then I was looking at like UC Irvine and other schools yeah. that were more geared towards a life of doing things in the ocean. And wow. I remember I had to make a hard choice about where I was gonna really apply. And hmm. um, I just was like, I think I love this thing more than like beluga whales. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, Paid I went off. that way. Yeah, it was, it's- So you went to USC? Know. Uh, yeah, I went to USC. I went to film school at USC. Okay. What do you think your life would have looked like if you ended up a marine biologist? I mean, there's a part of that that I think is kind of cool, though, right? Like, there's yeah. a part of it where I'm like, man, I probably would have traveled the world at a much yeah. younger age, yeah. you know? But maybe if I were to work with James Cameron and gone down to Titanic and do some cool <laughs> stuff like that, maybe that would have been cool. You know what I mean? Who I want to see a collab project with Princess Penny and James Cameron. Man, Please do that. Man, you and my pocketbook both. <laughs> so I want to talk about the relationship between this show 
and Twitter. There were two moments in season two that uh, had very interesting responses on Twitter. And there was one I felt like y'all were prepared for to spark conversation. But I think the other might have caught y'all off guard. You know, there was that whole plot line with Issa and oral sex. And some things were said all throughout the episode. But I think you guys are ready to have people respond to it and talk about it. And that did happen online. But there was another part of the season where there was this discussion on black Twitter over whether or not you guys were showing enough condoms in the show. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like, where did that come from? Did that kind of catch you off guard? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, because one, it was never a discussion. One, it, it, yes. And I think, and I also too, like, you have to be, I always think you have to be careful in terms of like, you know, Twitter could kind of become a Twitter tornado, right? That's so it's a good like, word it, for it. it kind of becomes like a black hole. Like, yeah. it sucks a lot of energy. You could also fool yourself into thinking it's the thing everybody's talking about, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody that watches our show doesn't tweet, you know? So true. Um, and people who were just as much, uh, coming out saying there should be more comedy where people coming out also saying it's not a it's not a documentary it's not a this it's a yeah. comedy show you you shouldn't need a comedy show to tell you to use a condom in 2017 come on so you know like <laughs> yeah. so I think like creatively you know you have 27 28 minutes to tell your show so yeah. a lot of times when we are seeing sex like when Lawrence is having sex with Tasha in the in the first episode of season two we're just cutting into the middle of it so we're not we don't have yeah. time you to say time. like you know oh, yeah you're trying to create an emotional feeling not hey also hey guys also use condoms um yeah. you know so also so, get tested every six months like i mean when does this stop well, so like be a grown-up you yeah. know what i mean like um but but like but i think beyond any of that is just like it's like like we're not we're always trying to imply that our characters are safe or we'll put them in the backgrounds of scenes. And so, like, when Lawrence has a threesome, it's on the dresser. You know, mm. when, when the girls go to this explosion, there's a whole conversation about they're actually picking up condoms and talking about condoms. Yeah. And I was like, also, I don't know other shows that, like, get that heat. I was like, oh, does totally. anybody watch Scandal and go, or does anybody <laughs> watch, uh, you know, House of Cards and go, whoa, why, isn't, why aren't the Underwoods using condoms when they're having affairs? Yeah. <laughs> you know? It was just a it was just a weird. I was yeah. like, I don't know where this was coming from, yeah. and so I'm I'm glad it kind of kind of went away. Like, it's yeah. fun. Yeah, I was reading an uh, some different interview you, you did, and you said, "quote You have to be careful because if you try to go up against Twitter, especially Black Twitter, you lose out the gate. It's too big of a force." That's something. It is. <laughs> it is. Black Twitter is no joke. But you know, Black Twitter is also the reason why our show's successful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, we love all Twitter, white Twitter, Asian Twitter. Shout out to Latino Twitter. All yeah. The Twitters. Shout out. Shout out. Uh, but you know, Even but Drake Black Twitter. Twitter. Okay, I'm gonna stop. There, see, you're coming <laughs> around, uh, Drake Hoff. And uh, but I think that's kind of like the point. You know, is like their support. So you got to take. You know, I always feel like Black Twitter is like your auntie. When your yeah. auntie is like, yeah. you know, she's giving you crap, but yeah. she's also like, okay, I see you. I see you. I see yeah. you with the graduation. Exactly. You graduated. Okay, I'm with you. You know, <laughs> yeah. or, you know, your hair looking shoddy, or girl, like your slip showing. You know, Black Twitter <laughs> is going to do all of that. You got to love all of it. You got to love so it all. I, yeah. I rather, I rather have, I, and honestly, I rather have Twitter care. That that yeah. that they want to see black people being responsible, yeah. Then not. So I hear you. for that, I, I'm glad that they care about our show and care about the issue enough that they think about it. So I'm I'm, I'm glad for that perspective. It's true. And I also think part of why Black Twitter is watching Insecure with such focus is because it feels like it's something new, and it feels mm-hmm. like it's something new for Black America that we have not seen before. So I think a lot of folks, it comes out of a place of wanting to see this thing be the best it can be. For sure. And that can feel a bit paternalistic and like, where the hell are you coming from, Black Twitter? Mm-hmm. 
but most of it feels like it's out of a place of like actual genuine love for that show yeah and i think it's the same thing where like when you feel like this doesn't get a chance to happen every day mm-hmm. so you, you so you're kind of wanting us to yes. be all things to all people which and it's is like impossible which is impossible um you know I'm, I'm hopeful that like it our show doesn't have to be the anomaly and so that's why it's good to see shows like obviously like atlanta you know nicole buyer you know and to see other voices of color like two dub queens and phoebes and all those people just like get their time you know and um yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, what should we expect in season three of Insecure? Oof. Um, in terms of any info, I would say... <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. But um, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, uh, Issa and I are supposed to meet next week to start talking about season three. So okay. um, she and I usually get together for about a day and we just sort of start talking out ideas and themes. So she and I are going to start talking that. But I think in terms of thematically, I think you can expect what our show does well which is characters making some good decisions characters making some not great decisions um uh, yeah. so yeah i don't yeah. know i'm I've, I've tried to like block the shot of my mind for a little bit so i can kind of come back to it fresh i hear you i got one last favor to ask you yes i tweeted this morning that i was going to be interviewing you okay and i asked twitter if they oh, had questions snap. for you i will read a few to you brianna jimerson wrote I'd like to know a bit more about the show's developing use of L.A. as a character in the series. Last episode of season two was spot on. Hashtag I would. <laughs> I did like the I would plotline. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I live in Inglewood right now. The, all the things that are in our show are actually happening in Inglewood, obviously, because they're building the new football stadium. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Issa and I are both like native Angelinos from a very specific area. And I yeah. think in the way that like Issa has said that like in the way that Woody Allen does New York, she wants to do for L.A. Mm. And um, I couldn't agree more because I think I think, again, when people think of L.A., they think of the entourage L.A., which yeah. is like Malibu, Beverly Hills. Or you think of the other way, which is like you go Compton and, mm-hmm. you know, all these crazy stuff. And I'm like, there's a ton of L.A. that exists in between those um you know, bookends totally. that is beautiful and amazing. And I think we like just keep like continue to explore these areas that don't really get a lot of looks. Yeah, yeah. Last one. Tony wanted to know the makeup of the writer's room, age, gender, race. Um, and you've talked about before wanting to make sure that your writer's rooms have a lot of different perspectives in them. Yeah. Um, I mean, our, if I can try to think real quick, as quickly as I can, we have three white writers, one Latino writer, seven african-american writers four men eight women uh one two three four gay lesbian writers three drama writers nine comedy writers you know your people yeah i had to think quickly (laughs) as i go around the writer's room i'm seeing it in my head yeah yeah hey man well i wish you all the best i was thinking to myself today i was like oh this is prentice penny's year of penny (laughs) <laughs> happy shout endings out. reference happy ending shout out I <laughs> yeah, love that yeah. that's what's up yeah man keep it up I appreciate that go play some Drake <laughs> oh, team hit. oh wow he's playing the song there we go hey <laughs> <laughs> alright man appreciate it you stay absolutely up. take care alright bye Prentice Penny such a great name had a lot of fun talking to him Go check out the first two seasons of Insecure on HBO now. Also, if you want to be my best friend forever, watch the show Prentice used to write on, Happy Endings. It's so delightful. We'll be back on Friday with a wrap on the week of news and culture and everything. Also, send us an audio message sharing the best thing that's happened to you all week. Send it to samsanders at npr.org. 
Thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. 